Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Happy summer, Bert. Yes. How are you? Definitely. We've got a couple cool days, which has been really nice. Yeah. We'll open up the, the windows, get some real sleep. You don't wake up more dehydrated than you went to bed. Yeah. Awesome. Hasn't been all that humid, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, Partly right. because we've gotten very little rain. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I've been watering the plants a lot. Uh, Jeremy White, Bert Deister here on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It. Last week we talked milkshake IPAs and uh, fast and furious fermentation. This week we're going to get to brute IPAs. But uh, before we do that, we always check in with what's going on. It is officially summer. We went past the summer mm-hmm. solstice, so days get shorter. But – uh, the heat's up and things you might need for summer brewing supplies, drafting supplies, you guys are ready to roll. Yeah, we have it all. So we have all your party taps, kegerator conversions. Um, if you're looking to do commercial draft for the summer, uh, high BTU propane burners, large stock pots and wart chillers if you're looking to move the brewing outside and starting into big batches. Mm-hmm. So we have everything you need for your home draft supplies, cleaning uh, taps, and then everything you need for brewing. Hop spiders, too. Got a couple different hop spiders in stock now, um, and those have been very popular. Okay. Uh Draft systems over hand pumps. We've been going over this the last couple of weeks. Maybe yes, somebody should jump in. Please get a draft system. You know, a very basic draft system with the CO2 starts at about uh, 150. You know what I mean? A hand pump starts at around 40 bucks. So you're able to, um, you know, get a you know system that's going to preserve your beer that you won't have to pump when you have people over and you're trying to serve it, and you'll have it from year to year to year. Mm-hmm. So make the investment you'll save beer you'll have better beer and you'll save a little bit of elbow grease so you don't have to pump the tap all the time yeah we're usually telling people what to invest in to get better beer to get yeah. the good the, to keep your beer in good in good shape better brewing processes too yeah. uh, the the brewing controller the keg king brewing controller it hasn't been oppressively hot but this is something that can help yeah you. but the, this item has been very yeah. hot in store so we got a lot of people picking them up uh using them uh, we've actually seen a lot of people using them for warming they're doing their belgian beers and stuff like that and they need you know 90 degrees and so they've actually been buying it to use to warm their fermentations um so that's been very popular anvil brewing pump also been pretty popular we've seen a couple people pick those up they might already have one pump for their um, mash tun or you know their i'm sorry for their kettle and whirlpool but they want something just to recirculate the mash tun recirculate um you know for herms or rim system as an independent pump and this is absolutely perfect another thing we've been selling a bunch of they don't have down here on the sheet but that's been really popular is the blickman rims coil and herms coil and what are those um, those are so the 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 Herms uh, coil is what goes into your mash tun, and um, actually you pump hot water through it, and it allows you to keep the temperature on the mash. Um, when you're uh, doing like the Rims rocket, you recirculate the wort through a canister that ends up uh, heating it as you go through. These are two Blickman products. They are things you would normally have to home make, but they've pre-made them. And the Rims rocket is selling like crazy. So it's a it's a hop rocket with an electric coil in it. You can get it in one, you know, 20 or 240 volts. And what it will do is um, heat your wart as you pass through it to so keep your mash temperature. And so those are extremely 
helpful. Okay. Should we mention in case we hear a little jingling and a, maybe a bark that you've got a third guest in studio today? Yeah, we got a third guest. Anybody who comes into the store often, you probably already know Rocket. He's here with us today. He just got really excited because he caught a bug over by the okay. window. Okay. All right. So if you hear that. anything, that's him. Yeah. Chiming in. Getting rid of all the house flies. We have we have a dog that, that looks similar and I and she eats bugs, so I maybe she's yeah, got a little bit. A, he is great at catching bugs. Yeah. Um, he is really persistent on it, um, and I'm appreciative. Yeah, because I don't like to get up and get the flies. No, I'm, I'm the same way. If a bee flies in the house, I don't even worry about it because I know eventually she's going to get it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's kind of nice. Yeah, crickets um, too. We used to have a problem with crickets <laughs> getting good. underneath the back door and they'd make a ton of noise. And now I just send him. Yep, he hears them. And I don't feel as bad when like. I don't like stepping on an ant, but if I point the dog to the ant, I feel like that's circle of life. I'm like, there you go. You can eat the ant. That's fine. All right, so anyway, today we're going to talk Brute IPAs, which I got to say, I don't know how many how much experience I have with Brute IPAs really at all. And, and to be quite honest, I have never had a commercial one. I've had a lot of home brewed, brewed IPAs, and they're they're kind of the, the West Coast um, – you know, version of the New England, or their okay. kind of answer to the New England IPA, and they've only been out a couple of years, and there's only a couple of breweries actually putting them together. Um, and so, obviously, the term "brute" comes from champagne because they have a very wine-like dryness, and that kind of you know adds to the you know effect of the brute IPA. Um, and we've seen a lot of people trying to make them for summer because they're a very good summer beer. They have a lot of like kind of fruit flavors, but they're also very dry. And so that makes them very popular among brewers uh, trying to kind of find some alternative to their New England IPAs for the summer. Mm-hmm. So it's brute it's the actual champagne. Is, is it? It doesn't have champagne okay, but grapes. But it's, yeah, but it's supposed to taste like yeah. that. It's the champagne yeast. I mean, what is it that? There's a couple of things. So what you're going to expect is, like in New England, they're going to be very light in color. It's going to have very, very low bitterness and really intense fruit flavors. All of those fruit flavors are coming from the hops. They usually don't have, unlike the milkshake IPAs, you know, they do not have. Um, different uh you know fruit flavors in it kind of like those you know what we were talking about is swedish counterpart uh ipas those kind of milkshake ipas now however in every other retrospect they are very complete opposites of the new england style um the name brute comes from its champagne like dryness and it has intense aromas of kind of like a boozy like alcohol and so what you're going to find is that when you, when you drink them, you are going to get this kind of almost wine-like nose. Now, there's no grapes in it, but it's almost very, uh, we'll say, like solventy or alcoholic. Okay. Again, just kind of like you would expect in a champagne. Um, and they usually are a little bit higher carbonation. So a lot of that is just coming right off and right into your nose every time that you uh, kind of sip it. Okay. Um now, it kind of, there's a lot of people ask me, how do I achieve that beer? And so they're looking at adjunct sugars, which is a way, you know what I mean? Or like you were talking about the first answer is, oh, I'm trying to make a champagne-like beer. Let me use champagne yeast. And that will work, but that kind of gives you some, you know, other kind of phenols and esters that wouldn't be typical of the style or at least what we're seeing so far. Um, so what you do is you cheat. Um a yeast only eats a certain percentage of sugar, right? And that's what we call attenuation. Um, considering in a mash that there's a complex range of sugar, including lots of maltose, maltose triose, maltodextrin, um, the yeast tends to eat a 
you know, percentage of that, usually about 70 to 80%, leaving behind some sugars to keep it, sim- you know, a little bit sweet. But when you put a beer yeast in a solution of simple sugars, and I think any cider maker can kind of relate to this, the yeast will ferment almost all the sugar. All of a sudden, when you give it like all glucose, all fructose, it wants to ferment in like 98, 99% of the sugar. Um, And so brewers for a long time have been able to change the kind of attenuation uh, with keeping the same yeast just by changing the, you know, the nature of the sugars and the ratio of the sugars inside the mash. So you can do that in the mash by mashing extremely thin and doing a protein rest, which uh, utilizes uh, alpha amylase A. Um, But you're only going to get so dry in that. Now, usually in stouts and porters and big barley wines that brewers have been trying to keep dry, what they've done is post-boil, during the fermentation, they've added amylase enzyme, particularly that amylase A, the one that we utilize in the protein rest. Um, so what the, the enzymes are doing, right, is they're, they're finding these chains of complex sugars and they're cutting off you know, shorter chains of it. So the amylase B usually creates maltose, leaves like two chains or more. The amylase A that we utilize in the protein rest, but only so much of it, but there's not a ton in barley, creates glucose. Um, and that will um, kind of keep, you know, the fermentation clean, dry, and really high attenuating. Okay. Um, and so what you do simply is after the boil, as you're pitching your yeast, you add amylase enzyme to the wort. And that will keep breaking down sugars inside the wort during the entire fermentation. And what you'll end up with is a very, very dry beer because you've cut all these maltose chains down to glucose is what you've done. Mm -hmm. So how do we make one? You know what I mean? It, it's it's, it's got to be it's got to be. I'd imagine your 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 malt bill is going to be very light. Yes, yes, very very light. So you're usually looking at really light English based malts like Maris Otter, maybe a little bit of light Crystal. I usually start with pretty much all Crystal and a little bit of Carafoam. Okay, let's get to how to make one on the other side here. It's Brute IPA, something that uh, you're not probably seeing a lot of, but uh, unless you're brewing it yourself, as you mentioned, the uh, you know commercial brewers aren't exactly doing it all that often. So, Brute IPAs. When we return here on Niagara Traditions, just brew it on ESPN fifteen twenty. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means. Either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply, 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. All right, back here on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. We are making a Brute IPA, uh, the concept being Brute Champagne. It's It's going to be a dry IPA. And you went through a couple things like how to how to get a beer that dry, what to expect out of it. So how how do you make one? Where do you where are you starting? Start with those Pilsner malts, Maris Otter, you know, a very light base malt and a little bit of light crystal. Um, you still want to in that in there because you want a little bit of that kind of caramely flavor, and you will be kind of struggling. I noticed with a lot of these to get your head retention up, right? 
Um, we're going to go really, really easy on the hopping. Even though this is a very hop-focused beer, um, a beer like this, being so thin in body, will really accept the hops a lot more, and it will also show the hops a lot more. You'll really taste them a lot more because there's less flavors to compete with. Um, and so I usually start with really, really low bittering hops, and I try to combine those if I can with a first wort hop. So what you'll see, you know, people doing usually is like almost like kind of cutting out like down almost no bittering hops. Um, I like to use the first wort because they still get some added flavor in there. Um, so I'll take like Cascade, uh, Saz, something like that, and I will uh, take it and I will first wort it. Um, and that will give me a little bit of flavor mm -hmm. and a little bit of uh, bitterness. But again, very low. We're talking 20 IBUs or less, and I usually like to keep them around 10 for the bittering. Um, so I'm trying to think. In the total volume of this beer, like a five-gallon batch, you're definitely using less than two ounces of hops usually overall between you know bittering um, and dry hopping just because they take it so well. I mean, like imagine dry hopping like a Belgian – like, you know, 4% Saison. It's mm -hmm. almost bone dry. It's got tons of adjunct sugars in it. Um, and you need to, uh, you know, try to be careful with something like that because it's very easy. And I have to admit, most of the homebrew versions of this that I've made are um, uh, resinous. Um, they, so, I've, I've, I, they are very you know, bitter on the palate. They're, they're, they're borderline astringent. Yeah. These are beers that have only used like, you know, three or four ounces per five gallons. And it's very quick when the beer makes this turn into something that's, you know, light and kind of, you know, refreshing and fruity to all of a sudden it's like a mouthful of pine needles. Uh, and you can accomplish that with just about any hop. There's not like one hop that you're trying to stay away from or something like that. Um, it can be like any hop in too much of a amount in a really light beer like this will get really resinous kind of flavor to so it. You, so you're saying you don't need a lot of hops at all? Nope. And I guess, is this a, a good beer to, if you, if you, I don't know, if you like one certain hop a lot, even though you don't need a lot of it, you're, this is where you can really let the hop be a star? Like it, it can really stand mm -hmm. out. It can oh, really yeah. come through. Oh, yeah. And, and we do like that kind of smash pale ale at the store, which is while we don't add amylase enzyme to that. So we usually like to do a smash pale ale. It's like a 4.5% like all Pilsner malt pale ale that um, we use to uh, kind of showcase hops at the store. And it's very similar um, to this style here. We just mash really thin. We don't add any amylase enzyme. But it allows us to use one ounce of hops, and we really get a wonderful kind of flavor profile out of that hop, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, all right, you've got your – you're going 20 or less is what you're saying, mm -hmm. alpha acids. Um, less than two ounces. Total per batch. What about the other the other kind of things you're adding? You're, I mean, water quality, minerals in your water. Yeah, what, what? And you want to kind of match the minerals out of a New England IPA, and that's really going to help the kind of fruit flavors of the beer come out. Um, so you're going to want to add a little bit of gypsum, um, but really want to add um, calcium uh, chloride and Epsom salts in order to get the uh, um, get the kind of kind of fruit flavors out and kind of soften the profile. Again, we're trying to prevent that kind of resinous flavor. You can add a little bit of calcium carbonate with our water here. I just about add that to every batch. Um, but otherwise, you're kind of mimicking your New England. I usually cut the whole thing in half. So I come down from two teaspoons of calcium chloride 
down to um, one. Uh, from a teaspoon and a half of gypsum down to three quarters, from a whole teaspoon of calcium carbonate down to one whole teaspoon of Epsom salts comes down to half. Um, and so that's kind of like I think one of the secrets to it is uh, if you do this beer, uh, you don't add the amylase enzyme, you don't add the mineral content, you are going to get a kind of low bitterness pale ale. It'll be a good beer, but it's not going to be the kind of brute IPA you might have been looking for in the beginning. Mm-hmm. When it comes to this, uh, ease, d- degree of difficulty, what would you say for this beer? Um, if, you, if you aim uh, with the kind of conservation in mind, and, and you're not trying to create the biggest beer that you can here, it becomes really easy. You know what I mean? So you're using like an ounce and a half a Comet, like over the course of the whole beer. You're only making one at about 6.5% alcohol. Um, you're using like you know a lot of yeast. That's another good trick for a beer like this to keep the phenol production down. Since you're in such a simple mash, is use a lot of yeast, um, and you will end up with a very good beer. If you try to pack all of your favorite hops into it, you try to make it eight percent alcohol. Um, it could have some problems, and okay. it, can, it can get kind of you know like I said, kind of gross, kind of resinous. Um, and nobody likes those beers. So I've, one of the reasons I wanted to do this show is I've had a bunch of customers coming in and trying to do this beer uh, this year, and it's not necessarily an easy one. Um, so any brewers that have had the first batch come out kind of rough, um, you know, I feel you. I've had a lot of these. The first one I ever did came out very rough and very astringent. Um but keep up with it. It, it. They will get better. It will be a beer that's worthwhile to keep around. Um, just like the New England IPAs. I think most brewers who brew a New England IPA for the first time will tell you that it's, uh, you know, I really like the beer, but it wasn't that trillium, you know what I mean, that I was looking for. And um, this is kind of a beer pioneered by social brewing. Um, don't expect to make this for the first time and then get, you know, like one of their IPAs. Um, but start conservative on the you know on the hopping on the alcohol and you will end up with a very good beer it might not be exactly what they make um but it will be a really good beer okay and so yeah and and there's some other tricks that you can use too if you you do make it and say it is resinous it is just kind of astringent on the palate you can back sweeten it you can use maltodextrin you can use something to try to bring you could add lactose you know to try to bring the body back up in order to um you know try to get the beer back a little bit um, and that's usually a pretty good strategy. I, I like to use the maltodextrin as knowing that I have it there. If a beer over attenuates, if a beer gets really, you know, kind of tough on the palate, that I can use that to kind of soften this up. This not only goes for, um, you know, IPAs, New England's especially in these brewed IPAs, but also on my barley wines, um, big imperial stouts. I often will put in a champagne yeast in with my regular yeast, and sometimes that does dry me out a little bit farther than I want to. And so what I'll end up doing is adding maltodextrin back in, kind of calculated, so that I can really um, get like the exact terminal gravity I'm looking for. So it's like almost kind of like a winemaker, you know what I mean? I'm fermenting it out dry and then back-sweetening kind of to where I want to be. It helped out a lot. Okay. So Brute IPA. 
you know, Just Brewed has now turned into the show where every week we talk about that new version of IPA. Yeah, to, last to week was Milkshake, this week is Brute, which, I mean, those are as different as they get. Yes, yes. I mean, the Milkshake is the thickest mouthfeel I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I mean, and the Brute will be the thinnest mouthfeel you've probably yeah. ever had in Do you year. think we will see commercial brewers Oh, absolutely, coming out absolutely. with this. And one thing I can tell you from uh, the right, one of the reasons I like to make the Brute IPA style a little bit more than New England is it's a lot easier on the pocketbook. That's for sure. I mean, we're, we're talking 12 pounds of grain, maybe 13. Um, you're looking at two ounces of hops at the most. Um, that's a pretty cheap beer. You're out of the shop for about $30, $35, you know. Um, with uh, the New England style, I think my average recipe is somewhere closer to 60 to $70, depending on the hops I'm going for. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a lot easier on the pocketbook, and commercial brewers are going to recognize that too. Um, it also is a little bit more shelf-stable. So one of the big things about New England's is they don't last on the shelf very long. With um, this style, they're going to last a lot longer. Um, not quite West Coast IPA, you know, they, where they can sit for months and months and months, um, but it will be, you know, a style that you can sit around for a while. Um, yeah, again, not like a West Coast IPA, but it's not going to fade in two weeks on you like in New England either. Okay. So that's going to be really nice. We've got about five minutes left here. Um, one thing I want to maybe do, we can do like a preview, maybe a, mi- a mini show here. I uh, Because this style, you know, you're talking about light, you're talking about, um, it sounds like a good summer beer, a brute mm-hmm. IPA. And I was on the golf course this last weekend, and a buddy of mine brought a briny Gosa, which I never ever drink, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like we've spent too much time talking yeah. about those. Well, the briny is interesting because they, they all have a little bit of salt in them. When you say briny goes, I think of that hot dog water trend that's going yeah, on right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was so, like watermelon brine. It yeah. was that's interesting. It was very very interesting. Yeah, and and a lot of brewers are trying to brew gozas again this summer, and um. It, 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 it seems like it's – I mean, every there's always the ebb and flow of styles, but it seems like more and more when I go out, I, I see more of them now. I, like they're the next the next style to get more than one tap at a bar, to get a yeah. couple different spots. Yeah, and, and I saw like uh, a lot of them where they'll do different variations of it, so they might brew one mash or they may make one sour mash or one kettle sour and then boil it up with like two different fruits in it or they'll add more salt to one and less fruit to kind of give it more of a flavor. And from a homebrew sense, you better like these to do them because they are a uh, labor of love. Uh, anybody who's ever done a sour beer in like kettle or mash sour knows that you're sitting there checking the pH every like six hours, if not more. And then whenever it hits the pH you want, you have to start boiling right then and there. Um, but you can cheat again. We have citric acid. We have lactic acid in the store. You can get recommendations for how much to add and just add it right in. Um, So it can be easy. It can be hard. Uh, I do think we'll see these Gozas stick around. It's not like, I think, a a fad. And I think they'll come back every every summer. We'll see a fresh load of them. Um, So while you see two, three of them maybe on tap in the summer, um, partially because they go really good with food, and if you're at a you know, brew pub trying to sell you food, they're going to go really well with your meal. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, we'll see that number cut down in the winter and come back up in every summer. 
Gotcha. But yeah, they are they are a labor of love to make personally. <laughs> well, so when when you pay that extra price per you know goblet for the the goza, and you're thinking, oh, this is only like three point five percent alcohol and a little salty. Why am I paying so much? Just because. They really had to pay attention to that beer. You know, most breweries are not going to cheat. They're going to do it the natural way. They're going to add, you know, bacteria to the kettle and then, you know, let it sit overnight and try to get the, you know, their desired pH and then start the boil um, to kill off the bacteria. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of risk, too, of, you know, sitting bacteria in your kettle overnight. And that can make, you know, trouble if it gets anywhere else. So... It's a risk. It's a labor of love. You know what I mean? You expect to pay more for that 3% salty beer. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, they, they're popular, and, and they're not definitely not for everybody. Um, I know I'm hit or miss, not so much on the, you know, the, the Goza itself, you know what I mean? But um, what I, uh, you know, what I'm in the mood for. So they're, they're not the kind of, you know, I'm sitting down with pizza and wings. I always want one. Um, but if you're out, you're, you know, eating, uh, you know, good food, especially like seafood and it's hot out, they're a great style. I'm just ready to play with rock a little bit more. This guy's got to be the star of the shop, huh? Yes. Yes, he is. Most people don't even realize he's there, but they'll see the baby gate up. You know, this is a new place for him. So he's a little uh, high energy right now, but usually at the shop, he's nice, quiet. You know what I mean? We have to call him out of his bed to come say hi to people. Um, but this is his early morning, so he's used to going running and walking and stuff like that right now. And is wondering why we're tied up into the studio and everybody's listening to his human dad talk endlessly. Uh, one quick announcement for the, the upcoming schedule. Fourth of July, you guys closed on that Wednesday, I would imagine? We are closed on that Wednesday, but we will be open before and after. So um, if you need anything, you know, grab in the day before. If you got the, the extra, extra long weekend there, we'll be open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or regular hours so you can kim- come pick stuff up. But we are ready to enjoy that nice uh, midday <laughs> uh, or midweek day off. So all right, we'll be waiting. All right. Well, thanks for coming. Rocket, thank you. Thank you. He wants to eat my hoodie. The bad news, I'd let him, but it's it's actually not even mine. It's my buddy's. He lives at my house, so you can't have this. Next time I wear a hoodie, anyway. Uh, That's it for us. For Rocket, for Burt, Jeremy White on Niagara Traditions. Just Brew, we'll talk to you next week here on ESPN 1520. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.